ബിസ്മില്ലാസ്സലാമുഅലറസൂലില്ലാഹി فَذَرْنِي وَمَن يُكَذِّبُ بِهَذَا الْحَدِيثِ سَنَسْتَدْرِجُهُم مِّنْ حَيْثُ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ وَأُمْلِي لَهُمْ إِنَّ كَيْدِي مَتِينٌ أَمْ تَسْأَلُهُمْ أَجْرًا فَهُمْ مِنْ مَغْرَمٍ مُثْقَلُونَ أَمْ عِندَهُمُ الْغَيْبُ فَهُمْ يَكْتُبُونَ After Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He mentioned the condition of the disbelievers on the Day of Judgment and He mentioned this as a threat to them. He followed this up by threatening them with what He will do to them in the dunya before they meet Him Yawm Al-Qiyamah. For there's like a punishment in this dunya and then when they meet Him there will also be punishment. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He said, فَذَرْنِي وَمَنْ يُكَذِّبُ بِهَذَا الْحَدِيثِ فَذَرْنِي وَمَنْ يُكَذِّبُ بِهَذَا الْحَدِيثِ So leave me. ذرني ومن يكذب بهذا الحديث يعني leave me with the one who rejects this messenger for this is addressing the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam it is addressing the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he's saying leave these kuffar leave them to me allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying this leave them to me isolate them with me i will deal with them فذرني ومن يكذب بهذا الحديث leave me with the ones who يكذب who reject this hadith what is this hadith that we are talking about It is the Quran. Why is it called hadith? What is the linguistic meaning of hadith? The linguistic meaning of hadith is speech. It means to speak. For it is the spoken word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Quran is the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And whoever says that Quran is the creation of Allah has committed a bid'ah. A great bid'ah. For the Quran is the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not his creation. فَذَرْنِي وَمَنْ يُكَذِّبُ بِهَذَا الْحَدِيثِ Leave me with those who reject this Qur'an. And this is an order. ذَرْنِي is an order. And this order indicates what? It indicates a strong threat. Imagine you say, leave him to me, مثلاً, in the English language. What does that mean? That means you're going to fix him up good, yes? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying this. And there is other places in the Qur'an where this order to leave is used. فَفِرْعَوْنُ What did he say? He said, ذَرُونِي أَقْتُلْ مُوسَى He said, leave me so that I can kill Musa. This was a threat that he was threatening to kill Musa alayhi salam. For this uslub in the Arabic language of saying leave him or leave them to me, this is this is a threat. For when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said, فَذَرْنِي وَمَنْ يُكَذِّبُ بِهَذَا الْحَدِيثِ This is a general threat. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the next part of the ayah, he makes it specific. سَنَسْتَدْرِجُهُمْ مِنْ حَيْثُ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ What is al-istidraj? Al-istidraj is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he continues to bestow his blessings upon the kuffar. He gives them wealth and he gives them children. He opens up the doors of the dunya for them. But they are continuing to disobey him. And they continue to increase their sins. It reaches a stage where they are deserving of the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because if you accrue so many sins, then you are deserving of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's punishment. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them the dunya. And you see them increasing in their sin. And you see them being deceived by their dunya. This is al-istidraj. So, anastadirijuhum min haythu 
يَعْلَمُونَ We are going to give them and we are going to increase them in their blessings and they are going to increase in their sins. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all of a sudden going to bring down his punishment upon them and destroy them. This is al-istidraj. And we seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from al-istidraj. For this is not just for the kuffar. For look at yourself when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has bestowed upon you his blessings. For if you are increasing in the disobedience of Allah, beware of al-istidraj. Linguistically, al-istidraj is to deal with someone gradually, step by step, until you achieve what you want from them. This is linguistically what al-istidraj is. من حيث لا يعلمون يعني from where they do not anticipate and where they are deceived the most this is where the adab comes from and some of the mufassirun they said that يعني this istidraj of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala came into fruition on the day of Badr the mushrikun they came and they were assuring themselves of victory they said we are going to win on this day and they said we are going to defeat them we are 1000 and we have weapons and we have and we have and these muslimin they are 300 odd in number and they are ill prepared for they assured themselves of victory and they did not anticipate at all that the Muslimun would defeat them. For they said this was the istidraj. They were so enamored and they were so subhanAllah deceived with their wealth and with their weapons and with what they had that they did not expect that the Muslimun would defeat them. This is what some of the Mufassirun said, Wallahu alam. فذرني ومن يكذب بهذا الحديث سنستدرجهم من حيث لا يعلمون وأملي لهم إن كيدي متين فالله سبحانه وتعالى he explains what this istidraj is وأملي لهم I give them time I give them respite I let them continue to disobey me and subhanallah, when a person commits a sin, whether it is major or minor, they are deserving of the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them time to seek repentance. But in this case, he is letting them continue to disobey him because he has a kaid. He has a plot for them that he is planning for them. وَأُمْلِي لَهُمْ إِنَّ كَيْدِي مَتِينٍ Inna kaidi mateen. My kaid is mateen. It is strong and it is firm. And when it comes down, there is no returning this kaid. When it happens, no one can escape from this kaid. That's how strong it is. For the kaid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that they continue to disobey him and he continues to bestow his blessings upon them. And then he will eventually take them from where they do not anticipate. This is the kaid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When the kaid comes down, it is strong. And it does not leave anyone behind who is deserving of the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Inna kaidi mateen. And linguistically again, al-kaid or plotting to achieve or to implement the hidden means by which you can harm the enemy. To implement the hidden means. Al-asbab al-khafiyya. You plot behind their back in a way which they are not expecting so that you harm them eventually. For this is the kaid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Subhanallah, he works in a way which they do not anticipate. Then the adab comes down upon them in a way which they do not anticipate. And as in the authentic hadith in Sahih Bukhari and Sahih Muslim that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he said إِنَّ اللَّهَ تَعَالَى لَيُمْلِي لِلظَّالِمْ حَتَّى إِذَا أَخَذَهُ لَمْ يُفْلِتْهُ That Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala he continues to give respite يُمْلِي لِلظَّالِمْ the one who oppresses other people حَتَّى إِذَا أَخَذَهُ لَمْ يُفْلِتْهُ Until his punishment comes down then he does not let him go this respite is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives the person a chance to turn back. But if they do not turn back when his adab comes down, then they are deserving of the punishment. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never let them go. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never relieve them of that punishment. This is sunnatullah. That when the adab comes down, there is no turning back.
إن الله تعالى لا يملي للظالم حتى إذا أخذه لم يفلته. And this is a ظلم any kind of ظلم whether it is the ظلم of shirk or whether it is the ظلم of other people. If the person continues oppressing themselves in associating partners with Allah subhanahu wa taala or oppressing the people, then subhanallah they must seek repentance before the عذاب of Allah comes down and Allah subhanahu wa taala does not let them go. وَأُمْلِي لَهُمْ إِنَّ كَيْدِي مَتِينٌ أَمْ تَسْأَلُهُمْ أَجْرًا فَهُمْ مِنْ مَغْرَمٍ مُثْقَلُونَ أَمْ عِنْدَهُمُ الْغَيْبُ فَهُمْ يَكْتُبُونَ So if you go to ayah 41 أَمْ لَهُمْ شُرَكَاءُ فَلْيَأْتُوا بِشُرَكَائِهِمْ إِنْ كَانُوا صَادِقِينَ Do they have partners besides Allah or do they have witnesses that they can bring forth to prove their claim? For the subsequent ayat, ayat 46 and 47, are essentially a continuation from ayah 41. It is asking a question which rebukes and which refutes them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can put other ayat and then continue the meaning after them. This is not a problem. This is from the uslub of the Quran. And this is a demonstration here. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He separated these ayat, yani the meaning of these ayat, ayah 41 and then 46 and 47, yani the meaning continues, but He separated them with the ayat of the tahdeed, of threatening the kuffar in the akhirah and in the dunya. For this is from the uslub of the Quran, this is from the way of the Quran. For again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is asking them this question. Did the Prophet sallallahu come to you and He asked you for ajr, He asked you for payment, and He asked you for wealth? And this wealth that he asked you was a burden upon you. This is why you didn't believe in him. Because the burden of debt is too much for you. And again, this is a rhetorical question. And it rebukes and refutes them. Because the Prophet ﷺ did not come to them. And he did not seek money from them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he gave him the option of يعني, having the dunya or the akhirah. And if he wanted the mountains to be gold, he would have given him the mountains. For the Prophet ﷺ did not come for the dunya. And he did not ask them of their wealth. Am tas'aluhum ajran. Do you ask them for wealth? Yani as return for his giving you da'wah and calling you to tawheed, he wants a payment in return. And if the question is to refute and to rebuke them, then the Prophet ﷺ did not come for this. And they can testify to this. For no one can claim that the Prophet ﷺ asked them for wealth in return for yani giving them da'wah. Al-maghram is debt. Muthqalun. Yani it is heavy on them. This debt is heavy on them. فَهُمْ مِنْ مَغْرَمٍ مُثْقَلُونَ Yani he's asking them so much payments for his da'wah that they have been burdened with a huge debt. And because of this huge debt, they do not want to believe in the Prophet ﷺ. For again, the answer to this is what? No, the Prophet ﷺ did not ask you for payment and there is no debt upon you that you owe to the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ gives da'wah for your own benefit. For the Prophet ﷺ, he seeks the reward of his da'wah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this should be the way of every da'iyah ila Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They should have ikhlas and they should seek the reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for their da'wah. Whichever person you are giving da'wah to, whether it's your family or whether it's your colleague or whether it's your friend or whether it's your brother, do it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and don't do it so that you can see yourself above this person and that you know more than this person. Make it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. أَمْ عِنْدَهُمُ الْغَيْبُ فَهُمْ يَكْتُبُونَ And then this is another question which refutes and rebukes them. تَوْبِيخْ يعني to rebuke them and inkar to refute them. أَمْ عِنْدَهُمُ الْغَيْبُ Do they have الْغَيْبُ يعني essentially do they have عِلْمُ الْغَيْبُ Do they have knowledge of the unseen besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala أَمْ عِنْدَهُمُ الْغَيْبُ فَهُمْ يَكْتُبُونَ That they write down the غَيْبُ 
and it is yani, on their papers that they've written down this ghaib, they've looked in the ghaib, and as some of the Mufassirun said, they can look at the Lawh al-Mahfuz, and whatever they want, they can write down, and in this ghaib they saw that they were upon the Haqq, and they were righteous people, and they were deserving of Jannah, although they were still upon their Kufr. Is this what they did? They looked at the ghaib and then they wrote it down. And they can use what they wrote down as evidence against the Prophet wasallam that they are upon haqq and he is upon batil. Did they look upon the ghaib? And again, this is a rhetorical question because they did not look at the ghaib and they did not write anything down and they can use nothing against the Prophet ﷺ in this regard. But they did not have knowledge of the unseen nor can they prove anything with that knowledge. Allah Taala is again rebuking and refuting them. The points of benefit and rulings. Al-fawaid wal-ahkam. One, consoling the Prophet ﷺ that Allah will support him and punish the disbelievers. This is a consolation, this is a tasliya to the Prophet ﷺ. How do we know this? Because Allah ﷻ, he said, فَذَرْنِي Leave them, Ya Rasulullah, I will deal with them. Two, that the disbelievers are heedless and oblivious as to what will befall them from the punishment of this world. مِنْ حَيْثُ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ They're not anticipating it, they don't know that it's coming. Three, that from the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that He plots and plans, and that His plotting is firm and strong, is that it is mateen. This is from the attributes of Allah. This is from al-sifat al-fi'liyyah. The sifat which indicate an action from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala plots and plans, it does not in any way resemble the plotting and the planning of His creation. لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٍ وَلَمْ يَكُنْ لَهُ كُفْوًا أَحَدٍ Four, that the disbelievers have no excuse for not believing and responding to the message of the Prophet ﷺ. They are not being burdened by debt and they do not have al-ghayb. They have no excuse. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refuted all their excuses for disbelieving in the Prophet ﷺ. They have nothing to stand on. Five, that the prophets and messengers do not ask for worldly recompense for their calling to the straight path. This is a clear indication of their truthfulness and sincerity. I'm not here to take your wealth. Just believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and worship Him alone so that you save yourself from the hellfire. This was their message. Six, that asking for people's wealth when giving da'wah is a cause for the da'wah to be rejected. You're telling people believe in Allah and give me a hundred dollars on the side. Are people going to accept this? What is the most prized possession of people? It is their wealth. They're not going to give it up except for a good cause. And even some of the ulama said that it is haram to ask for wealth. Seven, that if the Prophet ﷺ did ask for the wealth of the disbelievers, they would have had an excuse to disbelieve in him. If he did ask them for their wealth. Yeah, now you can understand that if he did ask for their wealth, then they would have had an excuse, they would have had a leg to stand on to disbelieve in him. But because he didn't ask, they don't have an excuse to disbelieve. Eight, that the disbelievers do not have knowledge of the unseen. If the Prophet ﷺ did not have knowledge of the unseen, how then do they have knowledge of the unseen? For the Prophet ﷺ, he refuted from himself that he has knowledge of the unseen. How can the kuffar, the disbelievers, have knowledge of the unseen? Does Allah ﷻ love them more than the Prophet ﷺ? And then the final one, nine, that if they did have, again, direct knowledge of the unseen, yani not that which was revealed to the Prophet ﷺ, they would have been excused for their disbelief. If they did have ilm al-ghayb, they would have been excused for disbelieving in the Prophet ﷺ. But again, they didn't have knowledge of the ghayb. Therefore, they do not have an excuse for disbelieving in the Prophet ﷺ. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atu alaikum jazakum khair.